So every time uh, Christians get together, usually on a Sunday anyway, uh, we sing together as God's people. We've been singing together this morning. I think we're going to be singing together after we uh, listen to this Bible talk now. Why do we do that? And what's going on when we do it? We rarely pause to think about that. So we're going to be doing it uh, together. There's going to be an outline up on the screen behind me, I hope. Yep, there you go. Feels like a mile back there, doesn't it? I hope you can see that. Uh, I saw that there's there's an outline on the back of your service sheet. If it helps you to take notes and stay awake, please do that. Uh, Keep your Bibles open. I'm going to pray again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please show us today what it means for the peace of Christ to rule our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it'd be hard to think of a more divisive topic among Christians than singing. Uh, If you want to get into an argument with a bunch of Christians, and I'm sure you'd love nothing more, uh, just bring the conversation around to singing together in church and see how you go. You might like to try it at morning tea or lunch after the service today. Uh, We're going to make this a little bit interactive this morning. I hope that's okay. What I want you to do is call out for me. What are some of the things that Christians disagree about with regard to music in church or singing in church? What do people disagree about? Drums, full stop. (laughs) Organs, yeah, the musical ones. Too loud, yep, too quiet. I can't hear that, sorry. Certain, Certain genres of music, absolutely, yep. What else? Yep, instruments. Which songs to sing? Which songs not to sing? Yeah, the Psalms, what was it? Leaders? Song leaders? Yep, what's their role? What are they doing? What else you got? Yes, thank you very much. That's a big one. Hymns, modern songs, which one should we sing? Yeah, absolutely. Too many hymns, not enough hymns. Too much modern stuff, not enough modern stuff. Too much repetition, not enough repetition. Look, we could go on. Uh, I know that's just wetting our appetite, but I hope it serves to uh, illustrate there's a lot to disagree about, isn't there? There's a lot to disagree about. And what you'll find if you chat about it is that everyone has an opinion on singing together in church. Uh, I certainly learnt that a couple of years ago. Uh, Several years ago now, I was leading the music for a Christian convention uh, in New South Wales called North Coast Christian Convention. Uh, There were hundreds of people there, and I made the mistake after the conference of reading the feedback cards. Uh, And a lot of them talked about the music. Uh, And I tell you, I've never experienced so many negative comments and so many positive comments all about the same thing. Now, I don't know what you make of that, such massively varying opinions, some really negative and some really positive, all from a bunch of Christians talking about the same experience of standing together and singing. It's crazy, isn't it? Now, I've been in Queensland now for around about nine years and I've had enough conversations with pastors and Christian musicians and people in churches from my church and from other churches to know that this debate about singing 
is alive and well uh, in Brisbane, in Queensland, in the Redlands. I don't know if you've been thinking about it and talking about it here. Uh, I remember talking to someone when I was at college. Uh, I studied at Queensland Theological College. Uh, and he, he told me, uh, when I told him what church I went to, uh, I go to Creek Road Presbyterian Church. And as soon as I said that, he said, oh, he didn't like the music at my church because it's too charismatic. Now, I'm not entirely sure what he means by that because my guess is that most charismatic Christians, when they come to my church, think that the music is pretty lame, right? And that's just one small example of the fact that Christians all over the place are talking about singing in church and they're not saying the same thing. I can see people on the music team nodding right now. Yeah, uh, People will feel so strongly about singing that they'll leave a church over it. In fact, I gave this talk at Victoria Point Prezi before this service and somebody told me straight after the service they'd done that. Maybe you've done that before. And for better or worse, some people think music is the most important thing to look for when finding a new church. What do you think of that? But I wonder if when it comes to Christians singing together, we can get so caught up in our own preferences that we miss what singing with other Christians is even for. I wonder if your opinion about singing with other Christians, what you think about our time singing together, actually reveals something bigger about you than just your musical preferences. See, have you ever wondered, what does the way that you sing reveal about your heart? You ever wondered that? What does the way that you sing reveal about your heart? So when we turn to the Bible, to God's Word, it turns out that singing has a lot to do with what's going on in our hearts. So turn with me again to where we had the Bible reading from Colossians chapter 3, please. Keep your Bibles open. Colossians chapter 3, and we're picking it up at verse 15. Verse 15 of Colossians 3, it says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, what's the peace of Christ, and what does it mean for the peace of Christ to rule your hearts? Well, we've got to uh, look at what Paul said before this bit if we understand, want to understand what he's saying. So what I'd like you to do is flip back with me to Colossians chapter 1. It should only be a page, uh, one little page rustle. Uh, back to uh, chapter 1 and picking it up at verse 19. Paul's writing about Jesus in verse 19 and he says this. Let's read it together. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus that is, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The peace of Christ, you see, is about reconciliation. It's about being restored back into a relationship with God through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. Keep reading it with me in uh, Colossians 1. I'll read on to the next verse and he fleshes it out a bit. Chapter 1, verse 21. Verse 21 says this, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish 
and free from accusation. Here's what it's saying. Once we were alienated from God. That means we're far away from God, right? We're enemies of God. It says we were evil. But now, if you trust in Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you bet your life on Jesus, then you have peace with God. We're reconciled. We're back with God. Now God looks at us and sees us as holy. Now God sees us without blemish, 100% free from accusation. Because God was pleased to dwell in Jesus and make peace with us through his blood shed on the cross. This is what we're going to be celebrating in Anthony's baptism today. That he's claiming these things and saying, yes, this is true for me. Jesus has done this for me. Just like in this song, I don't know if you guys know this song, In Christ Alone. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. That's the peace of Christ. So flip back with me in your Bibles to chapter 3, verse 15. We've thought together and we've seen together about that peace of Christ. So pick it up again with me at chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you are called to peace. The peace of Christ, that reconciliation that we have with God, that's meant to rule our hearts. And it's to rule our hearts together. It's not just your heart, it's your hearts, our hearts, plural. Now this will sound terrible, but bear with me. It's literally, let the peace of Christ rule uses guys' hearts. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? But do you get the point? Yeah? It's one body of Christ called together to peace. Now that idea about Jesus ruling us together... It's not some kind of tyrannical outside rule yelling instructions at us like that. Because Paul goes on to say in the next verse, Jesus doesn't just yell stuff at us or give us instructions. What he actually does is he comes into our hearts and he rules us and leads us from the inside, from within our hearts. You see it in the very next verse, in verse 16, chapter 3, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. The message of Christ, the word of Christ, is to dwell in us richly. What does that mean? What does it mean for it to dwell in us richly? Again, if we want to understand what Paul's saying, uh, we've got to flip back to chapter 1. So do it one more time with me, please. Flip back to chapter 1. and Pick it up at verse 25 of chapter 1. And there Paul's talking about serving the church, verse 25, and he says this, I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God or the message of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, here it is, the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
See, the peace of Christ means more than just reconciliation. The fullness of the mystery is that Christ now lives in us. He takes up residence in our hearts. Just like the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus, so now the fullness of Jesus comes and lives in our hearts. The message of Christ is not that Jesus rules us from the outside, but that he fills our hearts and he rules us and changes us and loves us from the inside. See, he not only makes us holy, he he not only removes all of our stains, he not only makes us free from all of the accusations that we deserve, he then makes his home in our hearts. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what I'd like you to do is, let's just pause for a moment. That was a lot of information. Let's just take stock for a minute. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Can I ask you, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your heart? What do you think about when you wake up in the mornings? Or what keeps you awake at night? What stresses you out? What makes you worried, anxious? What gets you upset, angry? What fills your conversations? If you pray, what do you pray about the most? See, for most of us, when we ask those questions, it'd be easy to think that the peace of Christ isn't ruling our hearts. Other stuff fills our hearts and minds and the peace of Christ just kind of gets squeezed out or left a really tiny space. Uh, When I was first wrestling with this passage and trying to write a Bible talk on it, some time ago now uh, I started feeling convicted by these verses because uh, I was angry at someone Uh, I can remember it very clearly even though it was some time ago now Uh, a friend had said something to me that really hurt I was upset I was angry and I'd been stewing on it and playing it over and over in my mind which as most of you probably know only makes it worse you know when you have those uh, mental conversations with someone and you start to have a back and forward with them inside of your head and you get to tell them what you'd like to tell them as many times as you would like and you even get to improve on your answer every time and win that argument by a landslide. Look, I don't know if you do that kind of thing, but I had a problem because... I was trying to write a Bible talk on this passage and that was going on in my head. (laughs) And I had to keep coming back to these words, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. See, I realized for me that it wasn't happening. That I wasn't letting the peace of Christ rule, I was letting bitterness rule, I was angry, I was wrong and I needed to repent. To make peace with that brother, to forgive because he's my brother. And as members of one body, we were called to peace. But what about you? What rules your heart?
what would it look like i wonder even if you think about it together what would it look like for the the peace of christ to rule the hearts of everyone at sure hope presbyterian church together what rules your heart and what dwells in you richly is it the peace of christ Well, the best way to answer the question is actually uh, in chapter 3, verse 16. So come back with me to chapter 3, verse 16. We're on to our second point now. We're nearly there. And this is what happens when the Word of Christ dwells in us richly. If you want to know whether the Word of Christ is dwelling in you richly, this is what it looks like. Verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, how do you tell if Jesus rules your heart? Well, you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and you sing. That's how you tell. Now, I'm not the smartest cookie in the jar, but sometimes we read this verse and it makes it sound like one thing you do is teach and admonish one another. And another thing you do is sing but it shouldn't be separated like that that's not what it's saying it should read something like this and you might be able to see this on the screen Uh, let the message of christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms through hymns and through songs from the spirit spiritual songs singing to god with gratitude in your hearts now what's the difference who cares why am i talking about this Well, the difference is that you do the teaching and the admonishing through the songs. You do the teaching and the admonishing through singing. Singing psalms is teaching one another. Singing hymns and spiritual songs is admonishing one another. And can I just say, that's a huge difference. See, it's not like over here, you've got the Word of Christ ministries you know, Bible teaching, preaching, leading a Bible study, sharing the gospel, doing evangelism, encouraging someone with scripture, meeting up one-to-one with someone to read the Bible, all the important stuff, right? And then over here, you've got the less important stuff, the stuff that doesn't really matter, the stuff you don't have to care about as much, you know, the singing, the stuff that we do in church between the important bits to get us standing up and sitting down and stopping us from falling asleep. No, singing is a part of ministering the word of Christ. It's teaching and admonishing one another. It's encouraging each other with the word of Christ. And looking at this passage, one thing to notice as well is that it's clearly supposed to be happening for every believer, every Christian without distinction, whatever your musical preference, whatever your age, whatever your thoughts about all of this. When the peace of Christ rules your heart, when the message of Christ dwells in you richly, then it looks like someone should respond with a full heart by teaching and admonishing one another in song. In fact, pulling this verse right apart now, this verse says that we teach and admonish one another with songs, 
singing to God with gratitude in your heart to God. With, to God. with gratitude, singing in your hearts. Now, I've got a, uh, a visual for this, if it helps. I've got a friend who does pictures for kids' talks, and I hope you're appreciating that up there. Because uh, I want to illustrate here who's doing the singing in the last bit of the verse. And if we look carefully at the, the words in the Bible... The gratitude is doing the singing. Gratitude sings in our hearts to God. In other words, we teach and admonish one another by singing with our mouths, but at the same time, inside of our hearts, gratitude is singing. Thankfulness has its own voice. Isn't that cool? Our heart has its own voice. Our mouths and our hearts sing together at the same time. It's a beautiful thing. So I want to ask you this morning, do you realize what's happening when Christians sing together? What's been happening among us even this morning? That when you're singing, you're teaching the people around you. That your singing in church is a part of the way that you spur on your mates. It's a part of the way you encourage your friends. Your singing in church is part of the way you love your family, raise your kids. The way that you sing in church is a part of the way that you praise God, praise Jesus, before unbelievers who are among us. It's a part of the way you build up the people you're sitting next to right now. We're thinking a whole lot here about the corporate nature, the communal nature of singing together. Now, it's worth saying there is a dimension of singing that's between, you know, just us and God or me and God where we express in song our thankfulness to God and uh, in these three verses Paul commands thankfulness three times so I think that means it's pretty important so singing is that it is between me and God between you and God but what I want you to see is the other bit it's more than that right as you sing songs that are soaked in God's word that faithfully reflect the truth of the Bible You're actually teaching and admonishing one another with the truth of God's Word. You're doing it for them, they're doing it for you, and you're helping the truth of God's Word to sink in for everyone in a special, heartfelt, emotional, and musical way. It's really quite unique to singing. Because music, you see, music uh, really does connect with us uh, in a special way. Everybody loves music. Uh, I made a stupid decision one night, uh, as you uh, do sometimes, and rented a movie called Funny People by Adam Sandler. I don't recommend it, but we all make stupid decisions sometimes. And uh, in that movie, there was a a memorable scene where Adam Sandler's character is trying to pick up a girl at a party. Uh, There's a girl there, he's attracted to her, he's keen on her, so he walks up to her at the party, and he doesn't know what to say, he's kind of spluttering his words... He finally sucks up uh, the guts to talk to her and he says to her, so, just wondering, do you like music? Do you like music? And she looks at him like he's the biggest idiot she's ever seen. And she replies with disgust in her voice. Did you just ask me if I like music? 
It's like asking someone if they like food. And she walks away. And it's over. Opportunity's gone. It's not a good pickup line for the record, right? You don't have to ask someone, do you like music? It's a dumb question. Because everybody likes music. Absolutely, there are some people who will like music more than others, for sure, but everyone is affected by music. And you know what? I don't have to convince you of that, do I? (laughs) Because you guys all know. I'm sure you can remember those moments when a song connected with you, when you felt moved and cut to the heart, when a song or a piece helped you to express what couldn't have been expressed any other way. That's what music does for us. It's a wonderful, precious gift from God, isn't it? So look, I'm going to uh, make you get interactive one more time here, not with me, but with the person next to you. And I want you to tell the person next to you, just in twos or threes, whatever works, you can figure it out. I want you to share how has a song affected you? How has a song affected you? Just pick a song. It doesn't have to be a Christian song. It could be any song. It might be a song that you like when it comes on the radio. It might be a song that you put on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. It might be a song you'd love to hear at a concert, right? Choose a song, any song. It might have a particular meaningful place in your life, in your history, and share with the person next to you how that song has affected you. You know what you're doing? Go. Finishing up. I hope you enjoyed that. The good news is uh, if you didn't get time to finish that story, you can keep talking about it afterwards. That'd be good, right? Uh, Look, I thought (coughs) I could tell a story or two about how songs have affected me or changed me, and I thought, I don't have to do that. You've all got those stories yourself. You can share them with each other because I want us all to remember that music is powerful, music is wonderful. And it's a wonderful gift from God. All kinds of songs have the ability to move us and change us. And so I'd like to suggest this morning, how much more should we be transformed when we're singing the Word of Christ? If we're taking this amazing gift of music and combining it with the truths of the Bible, the words of the Gospel, then how amazing that should be for us. How much more should we be cut to the heart when we're singing about the death of Jesus, the one in whom dwelled the fullness of God Almighty, yet poured out his blood onto the dust to reconcile us to himself. Now, it's inevitable that some people will enjoy singing more than others. That's fine. And some people, truth be told, are just better at singing than others. That's fine. The good news is it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a good singer to sing. But I'd also like to suggest if the Word of Christ doesn't ever make you want to sing, if you're always blasé when singing about Jesus' death, or if you're always indifferent to singing with other Christians, then you're not only failing to minister the Word of Christ to those who are around you, what that shows is you've actually got a heart problem. You've actually got a heart problem. 
because it means that the peace of Christ isn't ruling, the word of Christ isn't dwelling richly in you, then your heart isn't singing. That means you're missing out, but so are we. Because you're not teaching and admonishing us. But you're missing out on the joy that comes from the peace of Christ. And there's a connection between what you've heard with your ears and what's going on in your heart that needs to be pieced together and fed and nourished and strengthened. You need to meditate on the word of Christ, the death of Jesus, until both your heart and your mouth want to sing. So make no mistake, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life that I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we praise you for reconciling us to yourself by the blood of Jesus. Father, we're sorry that we let our hearts be ruled by so many things other than the peace of Christ. Every day our hearts and minds are filled with things that are far less important. We fail to remember Jesus' sacrifice and to be thankful for what you've done. Father, please forgive us and help us to so meditate on the death of Jesus that his word would dwell richly in our hearts together. Help us to rejoice together in song and to make the most of our time singing together on Sundays. Father, help us to see that you would have us sing with whole hearts, grateful hearts, about what your Son has done for us. And help us to do it not just today, but every time we meet together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a few announcements. Um, 